Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Donald Wanda, and I'm joined once again by a guest we had on a year and a half ago. A really cool friend of mine, the creator of Manic Expressions, uh, James Walsh. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad to have you on to talk about a very special book. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me and James have had this ongoing conversation for years about Woody Allen. Everything going on with Woody mm. Allen, we just go back and forth, all the news, all the gossip. And I couldn't think of a person I would love to have more to talk about Woody Allen's autobiography, biography. Uh, what's the other word they call for people who write biographies? There's a memoir. Memoir. Yeah. Apropos of nothing. Woody Allen released it in 2020. There was controversy even with the release of the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, we have thoughts on the book. But you know what, guys? I just want to say, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you found a video or audio on YouTube or your favorite podcast medium, we have been talking about every single Woody Allen film since he's been a director. All the way back from the, what is it, the 60s, 50s, all the way up until now. Every single movie, we've got a YouTube playlist. Go back and check out those reviews. People know what to expect when they listen to this podcast. Not no toffee nose film snobs. Just normal guys talking about Woody Allen. A different kind of Woody Allen fan, which I do, which I found that most people appreciate. And uh, this isn't Woody Allen's first book. He's written a lot of short stories. He has a lot of them on Audible and, and for purchase. But he finally wrote his own memoir. And the last time me and you spoke, James, we was talking about, well, to be precise, if you guys missed the last discussion me and James had, we was talking about Woody Allen's final chapter. On that last recording, Woody Allen had wrapped filming A Rainy Day in New York, but Amazon screwed him. They they wouldn't release the film because of the Dylan Farrell ongoing unjust controversy. So Woody Allen was kind of in limbo. We didn't really know where Woody was going, and you know so you know james i just want to ask you between then and now i just want your feel for woody allen's career what do you how do you feel between the last time we spoke and now how do you feel woody allen sits with his career right now in general it's well it's interesting because i don't think that the the controversy it's not that it's gone away but i think that you know i mean there was the and i'm sure we'll get into this you know they they announced that his autobiography is coming out there's an immediate backlash and the publisher immediately says, okay, we're not going to release it. That is the best thing that has happened to his career in years. Because as soon as that happened, everybody came out, well, not everybody, but a lot of people came out and said, look, you know, we don't necessarily like him, but you can't tell us what to read. I think Stephen King was one of the first ones that came out to say that yeah. actually. And and I found that a lot of the actors that have worked with him uh suddenly started speaking up a little bit more. The ones that that uh, that aren't that haven't turned their back on him. 
suddenly there was a little bit more of a like, hey, let let's hear his side of things. Yeah. And uh, I was expecting the book in early April, and I got it in mid-April. So it wasn't even like it was, you know, another publisher picked it up immediately, and uh, the controversy probably got more people to read it than would have. Yeah, uh, just to dig into details a bit of what you mentioned, on March 6, 2020, uh, is it Hatchet? Hatchet Publishing said that they would mm. no longer be publishing the book. Now, Hatchet was ironically the publisher of Ronan Farrell's book, was it to catch and kill? So he mm. went on a Twitter tirade saying, you know, why are you publishing my father's book? He's, you know, controversy, blah, blah, blah. There was a walkout of the, the staff at the publishers again, and they caved. So a few months later, or even a month later, Arcade Publishing, another New York independent, New York-based publisher, picked up the book and they distributed it. On top of that, Woody went and did an audiobook version of the book on audible where he again he's had books on audible before so i was glad to see that audible didn't you know jump throw their hat in and say no we're not gonna have woody allen on, on as well and i think the audiobook is just the best way to hear his words not just yeah. and that's just you know i'm biased i'm biased for audiobooks anyway because i'm partially sighted it's easier for me to listen but i really liked hearing these words come from woody allen's mouth because he could deliver comedy more La -da 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 -da. but um james let's get into the book first of all again what did you think of apropos of nothing what did you think of the whole book well like i said i i, I got the book but you were uh, i don't have audible but you sent me a link so that i could download it and listen to it and uh it was a it was 12 hours and i thought oh how am i ever going to get through this i got through it in like four or five days it it's funny it's insightful, and what I love about uh, about Woody and hearing Woody talk about it, you can tell how much he doesn't care. He's not, you know, he, the, I really believe him when he says, "If I never made another movie again, uh, it's okay. If if you know, I don't care about my legacy. I don't care about what people think of me." Uh, you know, I got to do all these amazing things in my life. They can't take that from me. I have a family that I love. They can't take that from me. And uh, it was it was really great to hear his side of things. And and as much as he doesn't maybe necessarily care or maybe not let on how much he cares, some of the stuff that was revealed in that book about the pharaohs was so outrageous yeah that i mean i was my girlfriend who doesn't give a shit about woody allen could care less has no interest in him i i i couldn't help but go to her and be like and then they did this and then this happened and then you know the the this they were doing this and like i i just couldn't i had to like vent it because it was so unbelievable how hypocritical and flat out crazy these people sound the pharaohs mia pharaoh and yeah. their clan specifically um uh -huh. i was actually surprised because willie allen's been very tight-lipped about his relationship with mia pharaoh and especially the controversy with the court case and the accusation 
and the criminal investigation very tight-lipped he had that 2020 interview he said bits here and there but we all knew that there was a lot more he probably knew that i have to say i was actually surprised because i actually thought he was going to be very reserved in his retelling or he might just decide i'm bigger than this but i will say he took i think it's fair to say half of this book is dedicated mm -hmm. to him explaining his and um, Mia Fowl's relationship as a couple and also how it degraded and how, you know, the Sunying betrayal and the accusation all came and the right and wrong of it. And I think he did it in a very, um, just kind of the facts way. I, 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 was, I was shocked at what I heard. I was shocked at some of the things he, he mentioned and he tried to corroborate as much as he could with not just his opinion, but by people who were in the house and the court case. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about corrupt judges mm -hmm. fake friends false mm -hmm. evidence and even more ludicrous stuff that is pretty much factual because he could back it up and there's a youtube video that even goes into more detail which we'll talk about later as well but i will say i was actually i didn't think i would get that much information on the mia Fowl situation i think he really just wanted to have his say once and for all after 30 years and if that's what you came to get in this book, you definitely are going to get that. And um, I don't... And I was actually surprised how many hours it took for him to do it. But it wasn't... It didn't feel forced and it didn't really feel like he was trying to... It really didn't feel like he was even trying to be sympathetic to himself or play, him, uh, you know, play himself out to be a victim. He just stated the facts and even his own ignorance with a person who was quite unhinged and quite damage in their own right you know and yeah I, I was blown away by that part i want to talk about the other things about woody allen because this movie isn't just mia farrell the controversy no it's it's about him as well but mm -hmm. i was surprised how much of that i got out of it just so he could put a pin in it it was very satisfying in that degree especially if you're a woody allen defender believer you know if you put yourself in that camp of things i think you'll be pleasantly surprised with exactly how deep he goes into that and he doesn't, he doesn't come off like he's trying to sensationalize anything. He's just stating things. He doesn't even, you know, there's a bit in there about Mia Farrow talking about breastfeeding uh, uh, her biological kids until they're like nine or ten and how she would sleep nude with Ronan when he was still like a little boy. And Woody kind of just states it. He doesn't go, isn't that weird? Isn't that bizarre? How can anybody think of this about me when she's doing it? He's just sort of like, this happened. And just sort of kind of lets us think what we're going to think. Yeah. I read a lot of reviews. I want to talk about, um, I'm going to jump back and forth here for a reason. So before the book came out, I was reading these headlines from some of these journalists, some of the trades about their opinions, Hollywood Reporter, Telegraph, all these and they were really taken aback by Woody's candor and his bluntness. Now, if you don't know Woody Allen, if you haven't watched his interviews, I think you will find his tone and his he's kind of callous in the way he, of his delivery. He just says it how it is. Even some of the most crazy and controversial things in his life, it, it's so blunt and direct. It kind of feels like he's like a... I've heard some people say he's a psychopath because he's got no feeling. He just states mm -hmm. the facts 
and it just seems like he doesn't care about anything even his own movies which is hilarious by the way but mm. i've watched woody allen interviews i've watched that documentary uh the 2012 american masters one that um uh mr Whitey made and if you see that documentary you know woody allen is a very strange man in that he's just kind of he's kind of a cold detached blunt kind of person if you know that about him i don't think the book will come off as psychopathic as some of these trades make it out to be you know the whole bit about like even him being dismissive of his own movies i think he just considers that good manners instead of sitting there going you know what a genius i am and all i think he just is yeah i'm not gonna sit here because he obviously cares he wouldn't he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't care yeah uh and you could see it although sometimes you can see it in certain movies and i'm sure we'll talk about that that maybe he doesn't care that much he's not giving it his all and then suddenly you get sweet and lowdown or you get zelig and those are not movies made by people by a guy who doesn't care yeah same with the purple the uh the purple purple rose of cairo am i got the name mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean some of his movies are just so passionate and so well my favorite woody allen movie i've said multiple times is another woman a movie people think is on the lower tier of his of his movies but some movies just ring to you some of them have rang out to the masses some of them just ring to you individually but funny enough the biggest criticism for this book which i completely understand is that woody allen is a volume filmmaker he's made a pretty much a movie every year for 50 years so someone as a as a cinephile or a film student might come into this book thinking he's worked with so many actors he's on so many movies i want to read a book describing every single movie you know i want woody allen the movie the book and i thought i was going to get this and when you read this book he literally throws away one line one or two or three lines for each Mm. of the 50 movies and a lot of people found it to be a betrayal and i thought that was hilarious i really did now um i understand people upset about that and i i i actually believe if woody allen made a separate book about just his movies and producing his movies it would probably do more it'll probably get more awareness than this book than his own memoir just of the simple fact that he interacted with all these stars he was on so many locations it would be such a like a meaty factoidy cinema book and that's what people wanted again if you don't know woody allen doesn't care about that stuff the minutia from watching his interviews it is it is going to be a bit of a shock for you (laughs) well and i i don't i don't even know how much he'd have because you never hear about drama from his productions you never hear well this star was coked out of his mind and you know that these two people were sleeping together that stuff doesn't happen on his like the most it sounds like there was a, a was drama on the set was when he made september and he was just constantly recasting it and shuffling it around and yeah. remade it completely at one point that sounds like the most that his set ever got crazy otherwise uh and I'm sure people would love to, I know there's a lot of footage of Annie Hall that's not out there and that he intended it to be a completely different movie. That's about, that's about all I can think of. There's not a lot that has happened where it's been controversial as far as the movies go. 
and I, I, I don't think people wanted the controversy. I think they just wanted just the production. I think they wanted him to be more in love with. I think people find it hard to believe that someone who'd made fifty films doesn't have more than three to say about the movie. But again, it's just this is the weird person Woody Allen is, guys. A lot of people. I read so many Amazon reviews. People saying that, wow, I, I was really hoping for Woody Allen to talk, talk about this movie, like uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, more. And he just said, oh, I like working with Adam Alda. The end. Mm-hmm. You know. And people get really upset. And I'm like, you, you, it's just who he is. This is some. They, they say some of the most talented people, some of the smart people are just strange. The strangest thing about Woody Allen is his kind of dismiss, dismissal and callousness of the film industry that's why he doesn't want people in his movies he always says that i just i just make a movie and move on i don't think about it i don't celebrate it you give me an award that's fine i appreciate it but i'm not coming to the awards he's been this way for 50 years it's very consistent but i understand that two new people just reading it like some people say i never knew woody allen i've read this in so many reviews i never even knew woody allen i read his book and i just think this guy doesn't care about anything Mm-hmm. it's not that he's unfeeling it's just the kind of person he is and it's part of what makes him a good comedian he's deadpan he's yeah. a straight man and he's very self-effacing he's very I mean he insults himself so many times James I mean do you agree with me James what do you think is this just were you not why weren't you bothered about that you didn't get all this stuff about the movies you I didn't, didn't get yeah, I didn't care I mean I, it was nice he did acknowledge all the movies it wasn't like you're you're reading it and going, well, wait, what about what about this movie? What about that movie? I, it sounds like the movies he had the most to say about, like, um, What's New Pussycat, was just sort of like, this is a bad movie. I made this movie and it was miserable. And, and I he had like no it. control of, exa- yeah. But, it, you know, he also, he's an older guy and he's very blue collar. He's, the, you know, I mean, he even talks a lot about, people think I'm an intellectual, people think because I wear glasses that I'm, this or I'm that uh and he, he says uh, that's that's not who I am and um and I think it shows you know you you get like somebody who worked in a factory that's that's his age and and they look back on things they don't talk about working in a factory like it was oh I you know I I did this and I did that and I I rose through the ranks or I did that. they just sort of this was my job this is what I got up and I went and I did every day. And that's how he treats movies. It's just sort of a blue collar way of looking at it. It's his job. And he has passion for it. But uh, I think that's why you get movies like, you know, whether it's, uh, what's the one with Jason Biggs? Oh, anything else. Yeah, that <laughs> or uh, uh, Rainy Day in New York even. Yeah, I think that's just, he woke up. He didn't really have an idea or a passion for it, but it's his job. So he did it. He went into his drawer of ideas, took out an idea he had, made a film. And that's, and I understand people criticize. And I got a lot of positive to say about the book. I don't want to focus on the negative, but I, yeah. that, I just, I like to address both sides. I wasn't even surprised. I couldn't even hate people for being upset about the book for the film stuff. But let me move to the stuff that I really did enjoy because one thing I want to talk to you about, James, um, about Woody Allen's life, is Woody Allen to me has two lives, which I find very interesting. Before he was the film director, he had a whole comedy career. And that part of the book, which is the third, the first part of the book, 
is basically him talking about him being a young man getting into comedy becoming a comedy writer and he goes into that in so much detail and this is the part of Woody Allen's life I don't think anyone really knows about at all and I think it's a I think that part of his world is very interesting because I don't know you know the American stand-up comedy scene the people he came up with the people he praised all that stuff it's like that's a whole other life that's like a whole I think he was like 40 when he started making act being a film director he had 30 years of being a comedy writer a stand-up comedian and I think he goes into so much detail into that and fleshes it out so well for the first half of the book you're wondering you know where are the films at where is this guy but I and you know his first two marriages as well in detail I look at Woody Allen and I'm like he is quite privileged in the fact he had two two big successful careers a comedy career stand-up comedian well established well celebrated and a film career the bigger one which everyone knows and for most notably but I like the fact that he went into that in detail and I don't think that's something anyone really knew about Woody Allen unless you watched that 2012 documentary which he touched upon briefly but that was really good. I thought he did a really good job talking about that. Yeah, I, I, I've had other autobiographies that I've read, or or just straight up biographies, where you're, you're, you know, you got you got to get through the the childhood, and you got to get through all this, and you're reading it, and you're like, okay, get get to the get to the album that I like, get to the yeah. the movie that I like. I was from beginning to end thoroughly entertained by this. It didn't matter when he was talking about being a kid, when he was talking about growing up, when he was talking about just starting out i was entertained by it i wasn't going come on come on get to manhattan it, i mean there's a there's a i mean i would i would put it on uh, and i would walk i you know take a walk or something and i'd be listening to it and he's talking about uh i can't remember the name of the jazz musician that he when he seeks out when he's a kid because he wants to learn how to play the clarinet and you know, he, he he's talking about he has no talent and, you know, but the guy came and I think he paid him like two bucks a session or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Woody just, he says, uh, well, that's history. But then again, so is the Holocaust. <laughs> and I had to stop in the middle of the street I was walking on and just laugh. Like you said, he doesn't really go into that much. Even Annie Hall, he doesn't go into that movie that it's maybe a page and you know he talks about not going to the oscars and how he got criticized and all that stuff but as far as the production about it, he was like yeah i got up diane keaton's a, a good actress i liked working with her she was great um the end and you know it, i it, again it wasn't that he, i felt like he didn't care he even talks about how he doesn't re-watch his movies yeah uh you know he he watches them while he's doing the editing he goes to the premiere and that's the last time he ever sees that movie. And, um, I, I think that there's a lot of like old school values that he has that people today don't understand that, that, you know, it's, I mean, like one of the things that the book got criticized about that I saw was he would refer a lot to, uh, he'd be talking about women and he'd be talking about immediately how beautiful they are. You know, oh, she was so beautiful. She was so sexy, uh, whatever. And people are like, well, why is that the first thing he's talking about? Why are you even bringing it up? Oh, it's, it's weird. It's creepy. Because for an older guy, 
that would have been a compliment at one point. And, you know, he, he's, he kind of is refusing to, I, I don't even know it's that he's refusing to bow to political correctness or bow to that, or if he's just not aware because he doesn't care. And, you know, right down the line, he talks about Scarlett Johansson. I can't remember what he said about Scarlett Johansson, but he said something that, you know, she always it looks like she's looking at you and and at any second she'll just say, do you want to go? Yeah. And, um, and... He wrote that. He wrote that line with finesse. I know what you're talking about. Right. That line. He wrote in a, actually. He wrote in a very um, non sleazy way, and that's not the best way yeah. to say it. But he it was actually quite sophisticated the way he wrote that, and it was a great compliment actually. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, that's one of the. Uh, I mean, they they didn't pick her to play Black Widow because she's a, a shrinking violet. Um. She has that look of that sort of old, like I, I think about like an old school actress, like a, a Rita Hayworth or something back in the day when they couldn't, their, you know, sexuality was very limited and you had to convey things with a look. And he's right. Scarlett Johansson can do that. But people look at that. Oh, she's so young. You're creepy. Why? You know, she's saying that. And it reminded me of when Carrie Fisher died. Uh, Steve Martin put out a tweet and he said, Carrie Fisher was a beautiful, brilliant woman, and we'll miss her. And everybody came out against Steve Martin, like, well, why was beautiful the first thing you said? Yeah. And he had to issue an apology. And it was sort of like, why? he, He's, he's trying to compliment. And I get it. I get it, like, where women are like, look, we don't really need you to, to say that stuff about us when you don't know us. I get it. But Woody doesn't get it. Because Woody is 83 years old. And <laughs> he's a product of his time, in a sense. Not an excuse. Not an excuse. It's just. No, you know. but it's it's like, uh, you know, I felt bad a couple of years ago, or maybe just a year or so ago, when like all these women came out against Joe Biden. Then they were like, oh, he put his hand on my shoulder, you know, or, oh, you know, he, he kissed my forehead or whatever. And it's like, he's a, at this point could be somebody's great grandfather. This is how old men show affection. It's not necessarily creepy. It's somebody like giving you a hug. Uh, uh, Morgan Morgan Freeman was accused of something similar, actually, not too long ago. As yeah. Well. And it's it's um, I mean it's it kind of ruined Dustin Hoffman's career because you know there's talk there was talk well you know he grabbed my butt or something on the set of Kramer versus Kramer that was forty years ago, and. You know, it, was it right? No. Was it 40 years ago and people had different ways of thinking? Yes. And I think Woody is just one of those people who... Woody's not on Twitter. Woody's not on Facebook. Woody's not paying attention to the sort of evolution of the world around him because he has no interest in it. He just wants to go play his, his jazz and watch basketball and get up and go to work that's what he wants to do and he's i there's a lot of older people like that where uh they're not aware of all these sort of these new cultural norms because they're old <laughs> they yeah. don't they don't they're not paying attention to these things yeah so it, it 
there's a there was a lot of the reviews and you know this i don't like looking at the reviews because they just make me mad but um it was oh he's creepy he's a creep and uh i think that those are people who were just looking they don't like him they don't like him going into it and they're looking for whatever they can use to try and prove their point well here's the thing because i've read i've read a lot of uh memoirs a lot of biographies and sometimes you get these memoirs where you feel like the author's trying to put the best foot forward for the audience to be like if you've never heard of me before or just peripherally know of me i'm gonna paint this picture of me in a way where you know you might like me if you don't know me at all if you don't know woody and you read this book it's he doesn't he doesn't to me he doesn't really care Mm-hmm. And because that's his personality, I understand. Look, let me give you an example. I read a lot of the journalists that wrote um, reviews for the book. I read a lot of them were assigned to read the book mm-hmm. for, and they've never like I read. There was at least four of these magazines, yeah, that said that their editor in chief told them to read the book and review it, not knowing Woody Allen at all. And a lot of them were just shocked that this is a man who's dismissive of his cast doesn't care about women, came from a time where he dated anyone he could, any age he could, doesn't care about movies, and, you know, when he talks about this case, he's just so uncaring and just blunt and self-effacing and stuff. I, 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 he's just someone I feel very callous about. They feel like they're de- dehumanising him to a point because they think he just is a psychopath. They really do. So many people mm. that don't know Woody Allen just thought, this guy's too blunt. He doesn't care about anything in his life. He's basically a nihilist as well. And yeah. he keeps on making these inappropriate jokes. But here, I just... It's, if you don't know Woody Allen and you read this book, I'm not surprised. Saying yeah. that, forget... If we put aside the magazines and we go to Goodreads and we just... It's like Rotten Tomatoes. You've got the, the critic score and the audience score. If you go to yeah. Goodreads and you look at look what the, the actual audience said, 90% of the reviews are four star plus because they they're woody allen fans you wouldn't read it otherwise it's not just that the people who weren't assigned to read the book find him to be a fascinating character and find Mm -hmm. the book to be more than anything else funny because this book is funny just because he's so detached about his own life and in a way so uncaring (laughs) about everything Mm -hmm. but at the same time brutally honest brutally honest to a T which is really refreshing um what I want to say about the movies is that we again as part of this retrospective yeah we've reviewed every single movie I actually thought Robert Wydie might have helped Woody Allen remember all these films because obviously he didn't care enough to talk about them in any detail I said now Woody Allen is not going to remember mentioning uh what's that the, the movie he did in 2000s about the magician and the dead the hand, the dead hand, I forgot with... Scoop? Um, Scoop? No, no, Picking Up the Pieces. Picking Up the Pieces, yeah. That movie, he said is, he said in the book, it's one of the biggest wastes of celluloid ever made. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. he, he... I mean, the, the movies he's proud of, uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Matchpoint, The Purple Rose of Cairo, his favourite movie of all of his movies, which me and, me and Simon historically don't like, Stardust Memories... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he did go into a little bit more detail but honestly 
watching all the Woody Allen's movies, knowing who he is, I've said it multiple times, I got what I wanted from this book. I really did. Because he mm. went into detail in most of his life. He spoke about his movies. To be honest with you, if he turned around and started to go into detail about the movies, I, I would say that he's being a bit fake. Because he said historically, the movies, once they're done, they're done and I move on. And he, and he kept that same momentum in this book. So, but yeah, the Mia Farrow and, um, well, you know, let me throw it back to you, James, because I want to talk some more about the Mia Farrow stuff, but. Well, I just want to say too, like, uh, yeah. one thing that I thought was really hypocrite, like the, you know, he doesn't talk enough about the movies. And yet what we constantly hear anymore is these actors won't shut up about themselves. And, you know, oh, I worked with so-and-so and they were great. And they were very complimentary to me. And they were, you know, I felt we were making a very important movie and everything. And everybody's like, shut up. You know, <laughs> you're so fake. We don't care. And then Woody doesn't do it. And it's like, well, where's all the talk about the movies? It's true. You know, you know, one of, so let's talk about things in the book that surprised us. One of the things that I like about Woody Allen that he said, that I thought was one of the most heartfelt and truest things he ever said. He said the biggest accomplishment in his life was uh, getting Soon Ying out of her situation. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the biggest... It's more... It's done more than all of his movies. It's probably the, the, the thing he's most proud of his entire life. And you know what? I think that's really cool. He met all these celebrities. He's made all this money. And the thing he's most proud of in his life is rescuing his wife from a horrible situation from a from a life of poverty and ignorance and yeah you can say that oh that's that's the old white man rescuing the girl he married his uh mm. his girlfriend's daughter and he's, he's just saying that i believe him because he, he didn't have to say that and i for him to say that everything means nothing to him except for his wife and she's always been the most precious thing in his life say what you want about woody allen and we've said how much we believe him and all that other stuff I I found that to be one of the probably the most powerful things he said in the book that Sunying and rescuing her and giving her a better life is probably the best thing he's done his whole his whole life, which I found a bit surprising actually. Yeah, I mean I I think that's the thing too. I mean when it got to the Sunyi part, um, look, I still think he was a creep over how that went down. I think sure. that he you know they they the fact that he was not really with Mia Farrow anymore, that they really weren't together. Um, very strange relationship. Very strange relationship. <laughs> very, I mean, you know, um, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't make it okay. Cause forget about the Mia Farrow connection completely. This was a, a way, way, way younger woman, uh, barely an adult. I, I have a, a daughter who is that age, so I would say a child. Um, not legally a child, but, you know, sure. it's, it's still really, really young. So any criticism of him in 1992, fine. In 2020, when they've been married for 25 years, been together for almost 30, at that point, you just say, okay, they... They, you know, they were meant for each other. This wasn't just a fling. Yeah. He didn't just, you know, take advantage of this young woman and uh, and then toss her aside. Um, you know, this was 
he he fell in love and she fell in love and they're still together and, and they, they're married and they raised two kids yeah and and at that point you have to just say Sunyi was an adult she made a decision uh she fell in love with who she fell in love with and why in the hell should she have shown any loyalty to Mia Farrow? You know, I, I, there wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a little bit on her part of fuck you, mom, you know, like just I, doing this to maybe even hurt Mia. But the way he describes it, the fact that somebody was showing interest in her, somebody was paying attention to her, somebody was treating her nice. Which is what Mia Farrow wanted, ironically. We even said mm-hmm. when Mia pushed them together to spend more time together. I know she didn't see this coming, but I mean... <laughs> because I, and mean. I feel like this has to be said just about every single time Woody Allen is brought up. Well, he married his daughter. No, he didn't. You know, they that she's not his daughter. She's not his adopted daughter. She's not... He wasn't a father figure to her. He barely paid any attention to her. She was his girlfriend's adopted kid and one of many. And, you know, he didn't go over and spend time with Sunyi. He went over and spent time with his kids. It's going to be hard for anyone and to wrap their head around that relationship. That relationship is fucking weird, guys. And I'm only cutting you, James, because... Even if we try to rationalize and explain it to people, it was a weird relationship that ended in the strangest, controversialist, which is not a word, <laughs> controversialist <laughs> way of all time. It was, and when you hear Mia Farrell's mind and where she came from, it's not really. It's just, it was doomed to be a, 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 a catastrophe. It really was, and uh, I don't want to delve too much into that because one of the things Woody Allen says in the book is. Which I think is kind of strange. Woody Allen says, "If you read, if you're reading this book, just to find out about the controversy, I hope, I hope you didn't. You know, I really hope you didn't. But the thing is, if you did buy the book to hear about the controversy, you are going to get your money's worth because <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he goes into it in depth for half the book." I I would say that prior to reading the book, I was ninety nine percent sure that he was telling the truth, and there is that one percent of me where it was like well uh, maybe i don't know and after reading the book i thought there's no way there's no way at all that this happened and i really that's the thing nobody's going to ever challenge dylan nobody's going to challenge mia nobody's going to challenge ronan nobody's going to sit there and say you know in the book it says you know this and why why are there no other accusers? And I think, why would I think have... we should shout out Robert Whitey because I believe he did challenge them. <laughs> I believe he challenged Ronan directly when he was younger, though. Not now. Not in this yeah. Me Too era time, though. No, no. Now, now, no. And Dylan especially. Nobody's going to challenge her. Yeah. Nobody's going to... You know, when they did that uh, CBS interview, it was, you know, the the... The, I don't remember the name of the lady who did the uh, the interview, but she was basically like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. What, Gail King? Was that Gail King? Was um, it Gail King? Yeah. And I just, it was sort of like, hey, how about you, uh, you also interview Woody? How about you all, well, no, this is her moment. Well, then you're not really a, a reporter. You're not really doing an interview. That's, that's one of the things people who say, Woody is so cold, Woody is so detached. You know, the way that 
maybe the media should be. The way that maybe when you watch the, the news, the, yeah, the that <laughs> you should see somebody who's Ronan Farrow. We uh, we could do you an know entire what? podcast I, I really on what like, I think of Ronan Farrow. No, I really like the point you just made where Woody's the one who's impassionate and the media's the one that are passionate when it should be the other way around. Woody being the accused should be more passionate about his case when he's cold and the media are the ones that are emboldened and biased Mm-hmm. in the Me Too era, which which they shouldn't be, which they should be looking more at the facts. I saw um, The View, you know, the the, the women that yeah. women show Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg, all them, and they actually had the discussion as well. And I was surprised how they were much more level-headed about it than I thought. Whoopi Goldberg was saying that uh, she, you know, Woody was found innocent after two investigations. They were stating the facts, but then there was still someone on the other side saying that oh, it doesn't matter, Woody could have groomed it, this, that, and the other, but they didn't know the facts and uh the cop what i will say is i feel like with woody putting out this book he has put his side out factually and more people have become emboldened to listen and Mm -hmm. i think that has been one of the best things for woody allen's career and not only for his career but for his own you know sense of justice that he deserves because i don't think it's a coincidence and this is a shout out to Rick Woley, I think, on YouTube. I, I think I got the name wrong, but mm. in the podcast link below, I will link a YouTube video of a man who has gone through the case, gone through every factoid of the Woody Allen controversy, Mia Farrow relationship, Dylan Farrell, Ronan Farrell, past, present, and future, and has done an in-depth analysis on the case. I will say this, what you just said before, um, James, that you are 99% sure. I was 90, 90% sure before I read the book. When I read mm. the book, I was 99.9% sure. When I, wa- when I watched that essay that Rick Waldy made on YouTube, which is, to me, it's a, if that was on Netflix, I think Woody Allen, mm. Woody Allen would be in the, I think the public would see him in a whole new light because it is such a high quality it's, it's done with, in such high quality and so thoroughly that no one can watch that with a logical mm. mind and come to the conclusion Woody Allen is not in, innocent. The YouTube video is called, by the way, Woody Allen is Innocent by Rick Rowley. I'll put the link in the description. It came out after the book, which I think is fantastic timing because after this book came out, Woody Allen's movie, even though I didn't love it, A Rainy Day in New York, did worldwide VOD, box office killer. The book did gangbusters as well. Highly received, highly loved on the critic. I mean, the fans loved it. The critics were 50-50 on it. I kind of feel like I'm wrapping up my thoughts a little bit, but I don't know what else to say, man. I The audio book is a, is a must. You need, I really, mm. I really think buying the book to support Woody, but hear it coming from his own mouth because one of the things I don't feel you'll get come across is... The book does show Woody's comedy chops. He throws a lot of one-liners in there. He takes that jabs at himself. Even when he's talking about the relationship with Mia Farrell, he makes jokes that are appropriate about himself and how blind he was to the myriad of red flags throughout his relationship. And mm-hmm. it is it is it's 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 sad, but it's hilarious because he makes the jokes himself. And the book, I think, is the best thing he's done for his career. 
And I wasn't even yeah. mad. Look, I didn't like a really day in New York. I thought it was a filler movie. I think the movie was kind of a waste. It just it, it was a forgettable movie. But this book coming out at the same year, essentially the movie came out. You know, it's one of the best things he's ever produced, and it's, and it's his real life. I said this before, James. Woody Allen's life, in summary, is just as interesting as his as his movies. And I think you dis- I think you disagreed with me when I said that to you at one point. Is that right? Uh, well, de- definitely more interesting than Rainy Day in New York. But, um, <laughs> I I I feel like after I after I read the book, I would say. You know, it's hard because he is so like when he talks about his first marriage, he talks about being a, a pretty shitty husband. Yeah. And uh, which I can, you know, I mean, I got married very young and I wasn't a good husband because I was really young and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was selfish and immature, like, you know, and, and definitely there was a lot that she did that that I could rightfully be angry about. But I look back and I go. And I was 21 and stupid and, you know, didn't know what I was doing either. And then, you know, he gets onto a second marriage and yeah, she had a lot of problems and there was a lot of adultery and everything, but, um, but he's nothing but sweet to her and they're still friends. I feel like if you made the movie, you could only, I think, make the movie about the controversy and maybe some flashbacks to because i think the movie would be a lot like if you tried to make a linear straightforward movie it would be like the book there'd be you'd you'd skip like out of the 50 movies you wouldn't even show him making 40 of them sure um and then you know they even the ones that you did show it would be like uh i remember that they made a movie about Charlie Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. And there was, uh, you know, there'd be like one bit where it'd be like on the set of the Gold Rush, and not it wasn't even about the making of the movie. It was just sort of like incidental that they were yeah. on the set of the Gold Rush. Yeah. And um, that's what it would. That's what the whole movie side of it would be. Making a movie about his relationship with Mia Farrow, and then his relationship with Sun Yi. It would be, that would be a fascinating movie. It would be distasteful to a lot of people. But art doesn't always have to be something where you watch it or read it or listen to it and fully agree with it. There's plenty of, at least there used to be. There's there's movies where the character, you know, if I think about like Taxi Driver. You don't watch Taxi Driver and, uh, at least if you're a healthy person, root for Travis Bickle. The entire time but you watch it and you you're supposed to sympathize you're supposed to put yourself in his shoes he's our main character i mean the with the exception of maybe that joker movie from last year they don't make mm. movies like that mm. and now it's sort of like well he you know the the joker movie he's an incel we don't want to hear about it we don't want to hear about you know he's a he's a white man and we don't want to hear about his problems and you know, we should be focusing on this or that. And it's like, well, or we could just watch a good story. And I think that that Woody Allen story, you'd get to the part where he's sort of flirting with Sunyi and things are happening. And you'd be like, this is gross. This is a little bit gross. But you get past that and you go, oh, okay. I, you know, 
they really are in love. They, however it started, they really are in love and they, they have a life. And you may like it, you may not, but it's interesting. Do you know why I think a Woody Allen movie would work? Because the thing that always, the thing that always makes Woody Allen funny to me is that it's like he is the wet blanket and everything, <laughs> everything around him is exciting, uh -huh. but he doesn't find anything as exciting as anyone else. Like he, he, from the beginning of the book, he acts like his life. He says this again, uh, one of the things that you've got to love about Woody Allen is he, f he feels like everything that happened, he, I'm just lucky. And you know, I, I know I was lucky. I, I know, I know I'm just fell into this and I know I've been fortunate. But I, I, I didn't really like ask for it. People forced me to be a stand-up. I didn't really want to get into stand-up. But then they forced me. He just, and then I did it and I was successful. And I'm kind of like, hey, you know, I'm glad. But I, I didn't really want this. I don't really mind. And I want to be a film director. I want it my way. Then people love me. I don't really care. Everything Woody Allen is, I didn't want to do it. I did it. Everyone loves me. I don't really care. You know, I'm successful. That's okay. But I don't really care. And it's kind of funny. That to me mm -hmm. is the, the anyone with Sun Ying, Sun Ying, I'm with this woman, she's got 20 kids, I'm kind of mad about it, her daughter, we kind of hit it off, we get together, she wants to kill me, she ruins my life, and I'm kind of <laughs> like, I just want to keep making my movies. It's a, it's like this, like, um, I don't think Woody Allen's on the spectrum, but there's something, uh -huh. a, there's something about his detachment to reality and but everyone's like uh, we love you woody here's the awards here's the accolades you're the best you're a great writer you're a big comedian you're great you're a, we hate you we love you we hate you we love you and all through it woody allen's like just leave me alone just just let me get on with it i just want to make movies live with my girl do my music and go home but everything mm -hmm. around him the world doesn't stop and that's what makes to me that's what makes it funny that's what i think in that way, the movie could be interesting, but it really depends who who's going to spin this movie. But I I have no doubt one day they will make the Woody Allen movie because it's just you know even even if you tie the fact that his quote unquote son has been pivotal 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 am I saying that pivotal pivotal, pivotal in the Me Too movement with the takedown of Harvey Weinstein that's his son that hates him that wants to take him down that wants to put him in prison. You know, it's uh -huh. just, it, it's just, well, it's surreal. And yeah, it, it have you heard, there's a movie called Being There with Peter Sellers, uh, where he plays somebody who is probably on the spectrum. They didn't, it's 1970 something, so they didn't call it that back then. But he's, he's sort of just, he he's, he's this blank person just sort of walking through life and everybody thinks he's brilliant and he doesn't even know what he's saying. He's just sort of, you know, uh, he, he'll there at one point somebody's interviewing him and he just says I like to watch TV and they're like are you saying that that print is dead and television is like this thing and that everybody should watch television and not read books and he just goes I like to watch TV he doesn't know what's happening around him yeah there's a bit in the book about Woody waking up and looking at the newspaper and going oh Annie Hall won all these Oscars that's nice and then getting on with his day. <laughs> wow. Talk about dismissive. I was like, wow. He how many I think I won three Oscars. Is that was it three Oscars? Or And one of them for for him, for director. And uh you know, he just he I think he said I was happy for Diane. It's like someone just gave him a birthday card and he was like, That's nice. Anyway, what's for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, if you watch a, if you watch a movie where it's continuously doing that, where people are like, we love you, I want to fight with you, Alan. Can you change the channel? I want to watch the game. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things, one of the things that I really got out of this book that made me feel better because this is a subject that that really outrages me because of the indifference to facts one of the things that made me feel better about it was that woody doesn't care he doesn't care as much as i care as much as you care about all of this he's sort of he looks at it and he's like yeah i'm just i'm just still living my life and you know he 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 said at one point he would love to reconnect with dylan yeah but his pitch his opinion of ronin is pretty clear that he looks at ronin and like you know what it's okay if you're frank's son i'd be okay with that because i think he, he doesn't say it but i think he's he it's pretty clear he's like yeah he's a prick i think he wants i just think he wants it to be um his son <laughs> at this point yeah. i mean so let me talk about two things and again how can you really spoil a memoir? But I want to talk about two mm. things that he that I learned about Woody. There's a lot of things. I can't remember them all. I didn't really want to write a list of all the highlights of the book because you guys should read it. Definitely a recommendation. But what I want to say is there's two people he spoke about. This is the stuff you can only learn from the person's mind themselves. I found it pretty sweet and slightly sad to hear about the relationship he had with Emma Stone. Yeah. yeah. I was like... Wow, you know, you would never know because she hasn't said anything. I mean, she hasn't gone against him. I know she's another one that was kind of like, I don't regret working Woody. Well, she's kind of been silent the most, yeah. very silent. So she hasn't said for or against. But when he went into the book, book about how they used to text and how they had a nice back and forth and then that relationship just kind of fizzled out because he think he said something wrong. I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of sad. I never knew that they were that close. But, you know, this is one of those things you would only find out in a memoir, which was, which was pretty interesting. And he never, I mean, it was never like, uh, it wasn't creepy with Emma Stone, which made me think that there was a part of maybe their relationship where he felt a bit paternal, where he felt like, uh, I, she is probably about the same age as Dylan. And, um, you know, I, I, there's maybe a part of him that felt, like, oh, this is a little bit like a relationship that I wish I had with my daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can and see that. I can see that, yeah. I don't know if it's that she distanced herself because of the controversy or if it was just, you know, I mean, a movie set, you work with these people, you're really close to them for however long you're doing it, and then you never see them again. And you don't call, you don't, you know, and on very few occasions do you actually make a friend who you then associate with outside of that and she may have just sort of drifted away but yeah i did think that was a little sad especially hearing him talk about it you could hear in his voice uh that he really liked her he really yeah yeah Mm. and i was like wow i never knew they were that close it sounded like a really fun and i and i liked her in i know they only did two movies together magic in the moonlight and and irrational man I prefer Magic in the Moonlight, Irrational Man. It was a bit mm. tapered off a bit. But um, so the second person, the second thing he mentioned, which really surprised me, and I should have known, but I didn't do my research. I had no idea. No idea. Big spoiler for the book, by the way. You might... Spoiler. Just saying it now. <laughs> I had no idea Louis C.K. 
wrote that movie for Woody Allen. Yeah. Before he made it himself. I mean, he pitched that to Woody Allen, which just like Woody Allen, I thought that was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand what he was trying to do and why he thought it would work. But I 100% agree with Woody. That would not have worked. And unfortunately for him, the timing couldn't have been worse because it backfired on him so bad yeah. anyway. So what did you think when you heard this? Did you know that? Because I don't think Louis C.K. said that he pitched that film to Woody before he made it himself. I mean, I knew about that. I haven't seen the movie. You actually can find the movie online. Yeah, yeah. Um, but It's called Come to Daddy, I think. Uh, I love you, Daddy. Or I love you, Daddy. Like sorry, that. it's a so on, so on the nose, so on the nose. Yeah, but it was for Woody. <laughs> it was for Woody. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's John Malkovich that got the part. Yeah, um, but I, I heard about that part of it, and I was, I actually thought, because you know they they worked together on um, Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine, yeah. And I thought. Well, that's kind of a shitty thing to do. I thought it was almost like him stabbing Woody in the back, but yeah. it turns out, it turns out he's like, "Hey, why don't you do this?" And <laughs> I, I mean, I could understand Woody going. And oh I think no! Woody, <laughs> that Woody even mentioned that they talked about writing a movie together as partners. Yeah, yeah. and which surprised because he hasn't done that in decades. But uh, I think Bullets Over Broadway was the last time he did that, and. Yeah. Uh, then everything happened with Louis the way that it, it happened with Louis. And uh, that's a little bit, that was surprising. I think Louis CK is for the most part, a pretty smart guy. And yeah. I think he, the fact that he thought Woody would do that was uh, kind of a, yeah, it was incredible that he actually was like, this will be a good, this is a good idea. Come do this with Chloe Grace Moretz. <laughs> yeah, maybe he thought, maybe because you see how we just spoke about how Woody's attached, he doesn't care. Maybe he thought, oh, this guy really doesn't care so we can really push it and do, I mean, if Woody did the movie at the time that he wanted to, dealing with the strut, I think it would have been the absolute, talk about a mine, a mine uh -huh. that Woody Allen, a missile, sorry, a missile that Woody Allen dodged because I just don't think and I want to say Louis C.K.'s heart was in the right place, but I just think it was a bad idea. I haven't watched the movie, and I think we're going to talk about the movie in future, but I I honestly was very shocked. But I was glad that he came to Woody with the idea first, and that it didn't turn out that it was... Because I remember him saying, when the movie came out, when he was doing promotion for the movie, because the movie got shelved, that movie got shelved because of his controversy, I remember him saying it was inspired by Woody Allen. But he never said publicly he pitched it to him first. But he might, yeah. it probably didn't do that for obvious reasons now. Well, I just think, you know, I mean, Woody got enough flack for, um, at the time, nobody who had, nobody saw Rainy Day in New York. And they yeah. were all, you know, that, uh, that I forget the name of the act. Who's the, the main actress in it? Oh, the Not blonde. Selena Gomez. The blonde uh, yeah, the blonde. I can't remember her name. She was the one yeah. in The Neon Demon. Uh, I'll look it yeah. up. I'll look it up while we're, while we're talking. Oh, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning. That's Elle it. Fanning. That's right. That she, oh, well, she has this relationship with, I forget if it was like Jude Law or Liev Shriver. And it's like yeah. this, this older man taking advantage of a younger woman and blah, blah, blah. And then when you watch the movie, that's not what happens. Not at all. She actually... The, the only one that she kind of almost hooks up with is uh, Diego Luna, who's about her age. Yeah. 
and um, or maybe maybe like five ten years older, but mm-hmm. so people were already jumping down his throat yeah. over what they perceived Rainy Day in New York was going to well, be. Th- that's what I thought the script was. So I, again, I was fed misinformation because I was told that the movie was going to be about an older man and a younger student, and it wasn't even about that. So someone just made up controversy to add on to Woody's, you know controversy of all the problems with rainy day in new york that is not one of them no um and i i so yeah i he was already uh dealing with that to have added the louis ck thing onto it it would have been i i think the, the 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 term that keeps popping up about the book about everything is tone deaf yeah and I don't I don't think that it's that Woody is tone deaf. I think that it's Woody is a very plain spoken person. Yes. He's not going to sugarcoat things. He's not going to make I mean, really even his his ex-wife who uh who is still alive and who's still um from take the money and take the money and run? That 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 yeah. or the one before that. The second No, no, one. the the second wife. Yeah. And they're friends and I she got I interviewed for the documentary and everything and yeah. you know came out and defended him against Dylan and everything. But yeah. even he was like, yeah, she was nuts. She was, she was crazy. She was, you know, he doesn't use terms like she was mentally ill and she had this nope. problem. It was like, she was nuts. And to some people that comes off as callous. To me, it came off as a kind of, it, here's, here's the thing. Would he talk to us the way he would talk to a friend in that book? A friend wouldn't sit there. If you and I are talking privately uh, and one of us has just gotten out of a bad relationship, we're not going to say, oh, she was mentally ill and I understand that. And I'm very compassionate towards the mentally ill community and blah, blah, blah. We're going to say, she was nuts. She was, I am so glad I'm out of that. She was cheating on me left and right. She was, you know, I think Woody makes jokes about like, uh, you know, she was, cheating on him with like everybody in, in yeah. you know Manhattan at some point and it's and it's not sensitive but I felt like there were parts with listening to the audiobook where I, I actually felt like he was he was talking to me yeah that he was you know he wasn't this is not a PR thing this is not him he didn't run this past his lawyer or an agents and say what do you, should I take that part out? Okay, I'll take, and, and should I spin this this way? He just told it the way that he sees it. I think he was prepared when it came to the facts about the case. I think he, he had bullet points mm-hmm. he wanted to hit, which is good. He targeted, he was very succinct in all those points. But to be honest with you, Robert Wiley had written him, <laughs> there's a lot of essays that he had prepared of people defending him, which was easy enough to do. Even though he lived it, obviously he knew what was true as well. Mm-hmm. That part was prepared and calculated, but it needed to be. It needed to be because he was wanted to yeah. set the record straight, and he did. And there's one more thing because I want to bring up, and I want to ask you because I've brought up a lot of things that I liked in the book. There's one story that did break my heart. That he ne- and it's a controversy actually, a smaller one. It was about people who invested in. I, I don't know if it was his film or his production company that were ripping him off two of his friends and he begged begged them to sort it out out of court he begged to settle they wouldn't listen they went to court 
And it was so sad to hear how that friendship just disintegrated because I think her friend's husband was just greedy. And mm-hmm. they tried to talk it out. They try. He tried to tell them, please don't let this go to court. Please. And they just kept on deflecting or making some excuse or something. And then the relationship ended and he was just so bewildered. And, you know, he speaks about having friends in business. Again, there's a lot of lessons he talks about you can learn about having friends in business. And this, with these, this particular couple he goes on about, very sad to read, very sad to hear, because he really sounded like he loved them, you know? Mm-hmm. And over money, or they were greedy or whatever, and they were very embarrassed, because apparently the trades picked it up and they exposed them, they went to court, they lost as well, and then they just, they lost they lost a friendship over it, and he was really broken up, broke up about it. You know, you know what bit I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and I, I don't... Th- if I'm remembering, I don't even think he got the money. Um, I thought he won that won. case. I thought he won that one. He, he won it, but there's lots of times where you win a case and uh, nobody pays and you yeah. have to make a decision like, yeah. do I do I press this or do I let it go? And yeah, yeah that was uh, that's and again, that, that goes back to what you were saying about people who say he doesn't care about anything. Whether it's that or the Emma Stone thing or... He, he does seem like he is very uh, broken up about Dylan and not getting to, and, and not only not getting to see Dylan, but feeling that, that Dylan was victimized. And, yeah, 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 that's a good point. And then talking about Sunyi, these are things that he, you know, maybe he's not sitting there saying, you know, uh, giving giving 15 pages over to uh, uh you know, a, a Midsummer's Night sex comedy, but he's talking about things that maybe should matter more. And you know, he spends a lot of time talking about his parents, about his mother and father, and about uh, the one person I felt like got a little bit left out was his sister, because there's there's more in the documentary uh, about his sister than there is in the book. Yeah, but. You could you could you could see it and and hear it in his voice when he's talking about certain people, he does care. It's just I and then you could hear it in his voice when he doesn't. Like I said, I think that he is so far removed from caring at all what Ronan thinks that uh, you know. There's almost that's a part where you can hear a little bit of bitterness in his voice, where. It's almost every time he says Ronan's name, there's a little bit of a kind of growl in his voice where he's just, I have to talk about this asshole. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I wouldn't call it, I would say he feels deflated. I would say there's a, a, a kind of resignation that, oh, you know, maybe he's disappointed. Oh, I think he is. I And I... you know, the thing, and I want, I, I just want to get this in real quick because this bugs me so much. Sure. I am so tired of the taking Ronan Farrow and putting him on a fucking uh, plaque and talking about how, how amazing he is and how the, you know, that documentary has a great bit where it talks about Dylan and talks about Ronan and it talks about how um, the document, the documentary on YouTube that you're, that uh, everybody should watch. It talks about like with Ronan how he says, well, these stories aren't about me. And then every interview he gives is about, well, I, it's about me. It's about how I got this done and how I'm a hero and how I uh, accomplished this. And 
it's it's almost like he's saying i'm i'm uh more important than the women that this story is about i'm the star of this story and with dylan there's a lot of um and i i felt worse for dylan years ago than i do now because there is a lot of like how she's a victim how she's been treated all this and she's not really much of an advocate for other people yeah yeah you need to guys you you really need to watch this rick wardy video talking mm. about dylan farrell and ronan farrell and their i, I don't know uh with with dylan farrell i want to say un, unconscious agenda with with ronan farrell mm. I want to say that um you know actually let's just let's move forward to today so more recently there was a uh, kind of a takedown on ronan farrell by the new york times it's called is ronan farrell too good to be true basically there was a big kind of write-up on him showing that his reporting over the last years has been very fast and loose this mm -hmm. is a big big article that a lot of people have been reading and actually digging into the facts of a lot of ron farrell's reporting he has been very sloppy. Obviously, Woody Allen came out to criticize it again, saying that he always felt that way. And, uh, you know, Ronan uh, Farrell, he had a show canceled before. Yeah. He's never been that successful. It's just that the Harvey Weinstein thing was, you know, something he picked that did. Which, that was, by that, the way, I just yeah. want to say real quick, I woke up the day that the Harvey Weinstein thing broke and I looked at my phone. Harvey Weinstein, you know... Uh, you know, uh, sexually assaulted and sex you know, all these women and everything. And I looked at it and I went, yeah, everybody knows that. What is the, what is the controversy? What is the thing that was exposed? That's not a secret. It never was a secret. Ronan just wrote a story about it and got a couple of people to talk. It reminds me of Apple products when they say, you know, Apple wasn't the first to make the iPhone, but they were the first one to package it in a way where the masses ate it up. And I hate mm -hmm. to minimize what Ronan Farrell did for the Me Too movement because I'm not trying to take it away. But, you know, he seems all that glitters isn't gold. And this guy, you you guys need to watch Rick Woolley's video describing the problem with Ronan Farrell. And, he, you know, and even Dylan mm -hmm. Farrell to a certain extent because he's no angel. And he is, I think he's kind of got his blinders on. You could do the right things for the wrong reasons, or you could just be selfish. I think he's kind of both. I think he's selfish. Mm -hmm. I think he does the right thing for the wrong reasons too. And maybe when I see that smug face, I just think <laughs> maybe, you know, uh -huh. maybe he just wants to be famous. Maybe he just wants to be accomplished. He just wants to be recognized. Well, maybe, maybe mommy had his legs broken when he was younger so that he could be taller because that's what she thought he would need in order to be successful. Uh, that's the other things came out in the book. And guys listening, that's not that's not James making a joke. That's no. apparently what happened. I just want to say that you weren't making some kind of morbid joke about no. him having his legs broken. That apparently that's what Mia Farrell did to her own son to give him a leg up. And I I said this in my review of Rainy Day in New York, which is sort of half a review of the movie and, and more like it talking about when the book was canceled and everything that ronan comes out whenever he talks about woody he talks about woody with certainty you know um i remember they the academy awards or the golden globe something gave woody some kind of lifetime achievement award and ronan tweeted out uh oh did they talk about him being a child molester 
The word is alleged child molester. And Ronan Farrow, as a reporter, ought to know that. You, you know, when, when there is a, a mass shooting and we have, we know who did it. We have video of who did it. It's not like we don't know who did it. The news always says the alleged shooter. Ronan doesn't do that. Ronan talks with certainty about people. He says, this person did this. And that is not what a reporter does. Yeah. And even if it's, you know, the, and the thing too is the other, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want to get into this too much, but uh, I wrote a book and I had to do a lot of research for it. And it dealt oh, no, with we're going to talk about your book at the end. Don't worry. You got, you right, got I just don't know. I don't want to do it in the middle of the thing, but okay, like, cool. yeah, I, um, I had to do a lot of research for it. And one of the things that I needed to do was talk to somebody in the media. And so I talked to a, a lady who uh, is the editor of a newspaper and she talked to me about conflict of interest about how writing a story or uh, about somebody you know is not something that is looked kindly upon in the media because you can't be objective. And Ronan can't be objective about Woody. Not only because, you know, I, let's and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, he believes his sister. But he's also built his career on this. Yeah. And if he were to say, oh, my father, you know, I read my father's book and I've been having to rethink these things. And I, you know, may, and maybe Moses had a point about this. Now that I think about it, Moses wasn't treated very well. You know, if he said that, his career falls apart. So he just pushes forward with this agenda of, of and like I said, but we were talking about the media not being objective. Ronan Farrow is one of the 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 uh, worst offenders in that way because he he just goes on there and he talks about you know when my father molested my sister and it's like again the Woody was exonerated twice over you know you're not mentioning that you're not mentioning that this did go to court that this he was that Woody was never charged he was never arrested that you know uh, all this stuff and and ronan doesn't talk about it and i think for a long time i didn't know about this new york times uh piece i'm gonna have to look this up but uh, a lot of people were scared to contradict ronan farrow because they thought to contradict ronan farrow was to to say you're not a supporter of the me too movement and i don't think you or i are not supporters of that you know, that there are, there are women who have put up with crap for far too long that should be listened to and their stories are important and, and valid. But you also have to look at things objectively. And Ronan doesn't do that. Ronan just looks at, you know, what is best for him. And that that's in line with, with Mia and how he was raised. You know, just I was watching Another Woman, my favorite Woody Allen movie the other day. And Mia Farrow's pregnant in that movie with him. <laughs> uh -huh. She's carrying Ronan in her belly. And I'm like, this is the only movie where you see these two on camera at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Her carrying the the taker, the man who would take down Harvey Weinstein, the meeting movement, and M M Maya, his father's career on that crusade forever. It's just it's just ominous. Like, my favorite movie is the only movie where Woody's ex-girlfriend 
is giving birth mm-hmm. to someone who's going to just cause a lot of chaos. But what he did to himself as well. Listen, let's wrap up the book talk <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you. So I want to say this about the book. The book was more than I expected. I didn't expect the book to even be this good. I thought, honestly, Woody, just like his movies, it's kind of showing his age and maybe doesn't care as much and maybe it will just be... I don't know. I, I I expected the movie, the book to be very, very mediocre and maybe just more like an old man just watching his life go by and looking at things. There's an energy to For someone who's very cold in this book, there's energy to the book. When Woody starts reading his audiobook, he sounds his age. When I first started listening, I thought, yeah. this guy sounds like he's on his deathbed, man. He sounds old. But <laughs> as the book goes on, I just got into got more into it i felt a, a different kind of energy he had sharp witty jokes mixed with brutal honesty and a lot of revelations a lot of interesting things i pers again i'll say it for the record personally i personally thought the fact he gave all of his movies one-liners was funny it was it was consistent to how he always is but he spoke about every single movie even the ones that he didn't produced like the sunshine boys or the movie mm-hmm. he did with uh, uh francis coppola and um and uh i can't remember the other director he, he spoke about everything everything even for five seconds i appreciated it the movie is very comprehensive if Woody wants to milk his career even more he could give people what they want and make another book just called woody allen my movies here you go and just expunge give the fans what they want even more well, I think he'll do it. Hell no, he won't, because he's probably yeah. done. If he wanted to, or maybe maybe soon you can and say, hey, Woody actually wrote notes about these books and I'm doing it for him. Who knows? But I'm happy he put the memoir out. I'm happy he said his piece. It was great. The fact that I got a mediocre movie from Woody, but a great <laughs> memoir is fantastic anyway. So I feel like the year is solid. And more than anything, I think the book has done great for his reputation great for his career has really shown again why he's such a great comedy writer and an honest person and i think honestly if he died today this really did put a pin on his entire life i think i'm so glad this book came out before he passed away i was not happy when i heard he couldn't get anyone to uh, publish the book because it was very frustrating because he's such an accomplished director but the fact he got it out the people not the critics the people love it and it's well written. I mean, for me as a fan, it's a win, 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 win. And to me, it's kind of a, a cap on his whole career if he was to die. But he's not dead. I don't wish it wish mm-hmm. it on him. But I think, honestly, he can die a happy man, in my opinion. And, you know, the thing to me that this this book did was, you you know, all of the, st- the stories that you, you read, even the, the critical ones, there's something that's in these stories now that wasn't in them before that in the in the articles about woody before they would say woody allen was accused of molesting his daughter he denies it now all of the stories say woody allen was accused of molesting his daughter and two different court appointed officials looked into it and said that that didn't happen and that she was likely coached by her mother and that distinction now is there where it yeah. wasn't before and it's almost like the book forced them to do it that the book forced them to i agree 
they no longer could just gloss over that part of it. And Woody, Woody is somebody who I, I, you know, the first time I watched a Woody Allen movie, I was a teenager and didn't know I was necessarily watching a Woody Allen movie. And when I started really getting into them and, and watching them, I realized this is a guy who has a lot to say. And, you know, he gets accused of being pretentious, and maybe sometimes he is. I think there's definitely a lot of pretension in Rainy Day in New York. Sure. But when you look at something like Hannah and her sisters, and you look at this guy who is thinking about his death, and he's thinking about, you know, what is my legacy, and is there an afterlife, and maybe I should be looking for this, and there's something deeper there. And he's really trying to explore it, and he's really trying to figure it out. And watching somebody do that for 50 years right in front of us is unprecedented. Yeah. You know, I mean, he doesn't always succeed, but he's always trying. And I think that's something that the book really illustrates is that he's because he doesn't even really talk about those deeper issues much in the book, which I didn't think he would. I didn't think he would sit there going, you know, what happens after we die? And, you know, he wouldn't he wouldn't do that. But you see it in the movies and that is sometimes the best kind of an artist where they don't have to explain their art to you. They just want you to go see it and make up your own mind and think what you're going to think. And that is what he does. And I thought the book was, it was one of the most enjoyable. I mean, I was going to say read. I didn't read it. I listened to it, but yeah. uh, it was one of the most enjoyable books that I've might as well say read. read in a long time. Yeah, might yeah. As well read, yeah. And uh yeah, I mean I almost to the point I if if he did like the the book that you're talking about, how you know, here's a chapter about Annie Hall and here's a chapter about Stardust Memories, it would not be nearly as interesting. Maybe not. Maybe not. I know fans would love it, filmmakers would love it. I know this Oh yeah, I'd I'd buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy it and I'd read it, but I don't think it would be as Listening to him talk about, you know, I, I, there's something to him when he's a kid and he wants to learn to play the clarinet and he seeks out a, a well-known jazz musician. He doesn't just sort of go to a, you know, a teacher like um, that his mother would hire or whatever. He goes and finds this guy and he has the balls to like, ask him, teach me. He's living his life. This, that's something that I just, it made me feel so good reading it is that for all the people who say, ha ha ha, we took his career away and rainy day in New York didn't get a theatrical release here and whatever. Woody doesn't care. He's lived his life. He's, he's enjoyed his life. And he got, I loved, he got his little digs in there. Like when he was, he said about Timothy Charlemagne. Yeah. He told my sister, he had to say that. Yeah. Because uh, he was up for an Oscar. Not and surprised. it was like... Not surprised. It wasn't said in malice. It wasn't like this little shit lied. It was, you know, this is what he told my sister. And you completely believe it because there's no passion to it. He's just saying what happened. Yeah. And they can't take any of his accomplishments away. And that made me feel really good and really much more positive about the whole thing than I did before I read it. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you have the last word on that. And I just want to talk about two more things. So, I, I, two people 
that two celebrities that read the book and say they loved it actually three because i don't have a physical copy of the book i could only say if you own the physical book apparently there's a picture of woody at the back taken by diane keaton which woody there loves. Is, yeah so Woody was happy to let her do that, which again, I think is a nice homage just to show how strong that relationship is throughout their whole entire career. I just love that. I would obviously, I would love for them to see one last movie together. But that's probably not going to happen. Uh, so the other person, why I don't know, like they're so good together. Why does he do it? He might, he might, he might. That If that should be the, if they do one more movie together, that should be Woody's final movie. I will say that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Diane Keaton, apparently she loved the book, but obviously she probably got her first advanced copy anyway. She probably read it before anyone else. Larry David read the book, loved it, promoted it. And Alec Baldwin not only loved the book, but Alec Baldwin has a podcast which he interviewed Woody Allen on just a few weeks, just very recently. I'll link it in the podcast description alone. Had a really good interview with Woody Allen about the book even about the controversy and, and, and you know, I'm getting tired of saying, and the, con- the controversy, that, that shit just needs to yeah. end. The, the false allegations, that's what I need to start calling it from now on. That's that's the better way of putting it. Because that's what they are. They're false allegations that were proven legally false. But yeah, Alec Baldwin podcast with Woody Allen, really great. Check that out. Great book. And I just want to say, so by the end of the book, Woody's talking about his future, which we can talk about now, just to wrap up the podcast. Um, he's obviously making his um, most recent film with a weird name. I think it's Rankin's Festival. I think that's something like that. Yeah. Something's Festival with, I think, Wallace Shawn and the actor from Inglourious Bastards. I can't remember his name right now. Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. They're the two big actors in there. Looking forward to that. Woody said he still wants to keep making films. Happy to hear that. The future for Woody is bright. I think if I had to, if I had to guess what I think is going to happen, I think he's going to slow down his movie production right now at the time of this recording. It's obviously, oh, at the time of this recording, coronavirus pandemic is still hit. So all movie production is, is stored anyway. Um, I think they did wrap the uh, filming of uh, the festival of Woody's next movie anyway. But I wouldn't be surprised if he slowed down his production to every two years. So, but I, yeah, I, mm. I, I foresee Woody making a couple more movies. Apparently he said on the, um, Alec Baldwin podcast, this movie he's doing now is his 50th, but he could just be confused. So that I don't think even, I don't think Woody's personally keeping count, but either way, we're right at the 50th mark. I'm happy, man. I'm happy as a fan, but this book has really given me the, the icing on the cake. And yeah, that's I'm happy with the book and so are the fans, as far as I can see. And I, you know, when I, because I think that his, the Rifkin's Festival is part of, I think, a three-picture deal that he made with a, a Spanish uh, film company. Oh, he's really? going over to Spain and he's, that's why it's set in Spain and he's oh. going over there. And I, I recently, for the first time, watched Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Ooh, it was one yes. of those movies where... Everybody said, "Oh, it's so great! It's so great!" And I thought it's it's getting overhyped. And I watched it. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I was thinking as I'm watching it, and it's gorgeous. Yeah. The beautiful. whole movie is just gorgeous. And, and those I'm ladies thinking about like, <laughs> oh yeah. But I'm thinking, if if the rest of his life is spent making movies in Spain, uh, 
Wow. They really, yeah, they really got him. They really uh, messed up his life. He's got to, you know, <laughs> get to go over and make movies in like a beautiful country. And, and uh, it's like, basically he gets to take a vacation every year and it gets paid for and he gets paid doing it. So I, I think that, cause I know he doesn't count. Uh, what's up tiger Lily. Yeah. He doesn't know. So I think, think that this is what would be his 50th movie i hope it's i really hope that whatever his last movie is i hope it i just don't want him to go out on a whimper like if if rainy day in new york was his last movie it'd be such a shame yeah because that movie i think i chuckled once i really disliked the characters definitely and they're all hateable they're not i don't think they're meant to even be likable I don't think they're meant to be likable, but I dislike them. I think even in the way that they're meant to be. Disliked. I mean, the, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know that I've ever seen Timothy Chalamet in a movie, but it made me not want to see him in any more movies. I don't because it you. was just, it was like he was, uh, this is where like, what do you like misfired in that he, he cast all these 20 year olds and all the dialogue is about jazz musicians and old like movies from 1952. And these kids wouldn't talk like that. And I really hope that what he does, which is funny again, watching Vicky Cristina Barcelona, he can write young people. Yeah. Um, But I hope that like, again, make him bring it, bring over Diane Keaton Alec Baldwin, Scarlett Johansson said she'd work with him again. I would love to see him sit down and write a movie specifically for these people. And to just say, you know what? These are the people that stuck by me and I loved working with them. Maybe even try and see if Emma Stone will come and do it. And and make just... I, I hope he does do the every other year because I really want him to just put more time and effort yeah. and start weeding out the rainy day in New York's. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all want that. I couldn't, could not agree more. So let's leave it there for the discussion about the book. Woody. Mm. I mean, we'll be back guys. Um, we got a few little announcements to make. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Share your thoughts on Apple Post nothing with us in the comments down below. Before we wrap this up and go, We've got two announcements to make. Now, one, I want to give you some spotlight, uh, James, Mr. Walsh. You wrote a book, which is on Amazon. I want you to talk about it a little bit. We always want to promote other media as well. So I read a few chapters. I, I really like what I read. Just because of life, I, I've apologized to you profusely <laughs> for not finishing it. But in case someone else wants to check it out, why don't you just, if you don't mind, share us your thoughts on the book, what it's about. And I'll leave a link down below if they want to purchase it because it's on uh, Amazon. Is that right? Well, the, the the book that I sent you is uh, not on Amazon because it's just, I, my my agent is is uh, just starting to like pitch it. So oh, okay, 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 I got you. That's, okay, that's that's a little bit ways off, but I do have actually a, a there's a six volume anthology of short stories that I wrote called Manic Expression, a collection that's over on Amazon, uh, and. Of course, there's Manic Expression, the website where you can uh, post your your videos, your blogs, your podcasts, and and uh, meet some great people doing it. And uh, and we've done a lot of projects, wonderful projects like our documentary, Creative Chaos, uh, 
that you can find on my YouTube channel, uh, James Walsh, along with uh, movie reviews that I, I do. I'll leave that link down below. So we're going to wrap this podcast up with an announcement. I want to say this. Um, I was very surprised to find out the Woody Allen Retrospective podcast is actually in the top 100 of film review podcasts. Now, I know recently Apple just used to throw all podcasts in all pots. It just used to be one big pot for, you know, the millions of podcasts out there. But now there's subcategories. In terms of film critique, we're in the top 100. I think we're like 70, 77. Now, to some people, that might be nothing but to us is a big deal because we've got a couple of hundred listens every month i want to expand on the podcast because again this is about woody allen but i said this in a previous video i want to make a little bit more content that's relevant to this project and here's the pitch i said this to you a couple of months ago but just for a recap woody allen is my favorite director and i feel like he's influenced my taste in film Every time I've looked for a film to watch Woody Allen, I felt like his taste or his themes have guided me into liking a certain type of film. So my film collection has a lot of movies like what Woody Allen has done. Now, there's a lot of people that say this Woody's like Woody Allen, that Woody's like Woody Allen, or this is inspired by. I want to make a series on this podcast feed, which we're going to discuss films that are like Woody Allen, films that inspired Woody Allen, I want to talk and review those films with my man here, James Walsh. I asked him to join me on this journey. And later this year, we want to start doing a monthly review for these films right here on the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast, part of Planet Tyro. James accepted the invitation and I'm very much looking forward to that. So yeah, we're going to be taking, uh, we got a long list. I've already got 60, 60 movies that we're already going to talk about. Some old, some new, some forgotten, some blue. But um, <laughs> trust me, it's going to be a lot of them are really interesting movies and some classics. Igma Bergman's going to be down the line as well. So, yeah, I want to say thank you, James, for uh, joining me on this journey. It's going to be fun. And because it's going to be once a month, it's not going to be, you know, all the time, but it's going to keep the feed alive. And I think it's going to be really interesting to have these discussions with you. I'm I'm looking forward to it and thank you very much for thinking to ask me. Yeah, yeah. So guys, if you're looking forward to that, stay tuned, subscribe, and you know, guys, always comment on the video, letting us know you love the content, appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. Apologies for the last review on uh Rainy Day in New York. Blame Simon because I wanted to do a serious review, but they <laughs> wanted to do a drunken review, just shooting the shit. That's what that was. But I didn't like the movie that much anyway, so and I don't, I don't think it's a movie to really gag about. There's 50 Woody Allen movies. There's better ones you can go back and watch, so that one's just pretty meh. So apologies for that. Uh, but yeah, that's enough for that, guys. Thanks for listening for over an hour and a half. <laughs> James, I'm going uh, to wrap this podcast up. Uh, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me. Guys, we'll see you on the next recording. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check out all the links in the description for a lot of things we said. Because, yeah, man, it's a good community we've got out here. Oh, and shout out to two pages, the Woody Allen pages, Woody Allen resource, lots of great books there, and the Woody Allen subreddit. Always carry on the conversation there. Thanks for letting us host the podcast and links here and the links there. Appreciate that, guys. We'll leave it at that for now. Take care. Peace out.